When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Here's what's going on. One in 10 Americans are now using one of the many online dating platforms. But according to the Pew Research Center, even among Americans who have been with their spouse or partner for five or less years, 88% say that they met their spouse or partner offline without the help of a dating site. So how are people truly managing this modern dating era? When does all of this dating effort result in true love and when we do find love, how do we maintain it? I'm psychologist, Dr. Alexis Moreno. I've dedicated my career to researching healthy relationships, providing psychotherapy to people of all dating ages, and implementing evidence-based dating abuse prevention programs to our schools and communities. In today's show, I'm partnering up with licensed clinical social worker, psychotherapist, and my spouse, Alex Hongigman, to talk more about everything love and dating. You have love and dating questions? We have a combined 25 years of psychological and sociological study, research, and mental health practice. We'll be listening to your questions and sharing both professional and personal insights. Curious about how to boost your love life and stop wasting your time on terrible dates? We'll be sharing dating prep tips before heading out that door or opening that app. Already in a relationship? We have tips for keeping that healthy love and passion going strong. Dating and relationship dangers? No, it's not always happily ever after. So we talk what to watch out for while dating and when to cut things off. Welcome to Wit and Reason, hosted by psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. Dr. Moreno brings her expertise to providing smart and practical explanations on human behavior by interviewing diverse health experts regarding today's ever-evolving life and culture. Listen as Dr. Moreno answers questions by D.C. residents on everything from love to hardships, turning social science and research into relatable, accessible, and useful information you can use. Listen now as Dr. Moreno brings a little bit of positive mental health to your day. 
we're social beings. Searching for love, connection, and meaningful intimacy with another person is a very natural part of our human experience. Alex, what are some of the common dating and love dilemmas people seem to be working through in therapy today? So a lot of people come in, uh, both single and couples, and a lot of single people are talking about how do I find a person, find a partner, find a a future spouse. Mm -hmm. They are wondering what they're doing wrong as if they're doing something wrong. And then they're also then once in a relationship looking for assistance in building boundaries Mm -hmm. and how to navigate communication. Uh, And then lastly, uh, how to maintain relationships through all these life stressors. You know, we're, uh, we're stressed out. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we keep this relationship going in the middle of all these things? Yeah. And what are some of the like major life stressors that really impact a relationship? Uh, work. Yeah. Work. I mean, money. Yeah. Uh, children, yeah. having kids, what that looks like. And, and if they're having their own, if they're adopting mm-hmm. or if everyone else else around them is having kids. Yeah. What that looks like for them. Yeah. Uh, or just, you know, everyday life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's stressful. Yeah. A house, getting a house, where to live. That's also a big one. Yeah. Like city living versus suburban living. That's a big Yeah. They, decision. A lot of people have the idea that they have to move out of the district to yeah. actually have a, a family, which is also interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then if they do so, coming to therapy because they regret it, right? Yeah. <laughs> because then it's like, oh no, now I'm in the middle of nowhere, and my lifestyle's completely changed. Why did I do this? Exactly. And then all of that stress comes out onto the relationship, and that's not necessarily the relationship's issue. It's just all these external things that they need to work through. Yeah, a lot of preconceived notions about what life should look like yeah. when I'm in a relationship, or what love should look like yeah, too. Exactly. So, all right. Um, It seems like there's still a lot of confusion and misunderstanding surrounding the concept of love. So let's break it down. We're going to be using Dr. John Gobbins' three phases of love with the first phase, falling in love or limerence. Now, that that term was coined by psychologist Dorothy Tenov in her 1979 book, Love and Limerence, The Experience of Being in Love. Now, this is talking about that honeymoon stage, right, Alex? Yeah, yeah, just the beginning. Yeah. And no, so here's the thing. It's when, it's during that time when you just can't stop thinking about that person. You have really strong um, feelings of like excitement, but maybe even some like nerves. Um, and it could be really disruptive, I think, because you're just always thinking about them and always want to spend time with them. And it's that super cliche idea of love. Yeah. So the butterflies, heart racing, yes. excitement all the time. Yeah. You even have like a physiological response yeah. too. Um, and so the estimate is that, I mean, this could last from a few weeks to several decades, um, with the average being about like 18 months to three years. Uh, and that just depends on like what's going on in the relationship. So I think the more drama there is as far as this push and pull, the longer it could last because there's a lot of, you know, kind of anxiety and unease associated with this phase. Um, And so that could just make it last for decades. Is that what you really want, though, in life? 
Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Now, here's what's going on during this phase. Um, It's not happening from your heart. It's actually happening in your brain. Research suggests that limerence is the result of biochemical processes in our brain. Responding to cues from the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland releases um, norepinephrine. Um, norepinephrine, there we go, dopamine, um, antiphenamines, natural antiphenamines, estrogen, and testosterone. Is that about everything? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, your brain gets a good cocktail. Yep, it gets a delicious cocktail of um, chemicals. Now, let's see. Um, The problem with this is that while your brain is enjoying this cocktail of hormones and uh, neurotransmitters, this in love stage of phase one, this phase is also accompanied by poor judgment. So guess what happens? During the stage, when you're starting to meet someone, you're feeling all these fun, strong feelings, and we tend to ignore like any red flags or warning signs in the relationship or in the person that they're dating. And guess what? Those things don't just go away, right? They end up coming showing up later in in the relationship yeah what you don't look at now comes up later for sure (laughs) and without all that fun hormonal excitement yeah now it's like i have several kids to feed and i'm exhausted (laughs) and there's work demands and life is real and that stuff that wasn't resolved um, or prevented in the beginning ends up coming later on yeah right So then we have the second phase, building trust. Do you want to tell us more about the second phase, Alex? Yeah, sure. The the big questions of phase two uh, are, uh, will you be there for me? Can I trust you? Can I count on you to have my back? Mm -hmm. These questions all kind of are part of uh, early relationship uh, therapy. You know, when people, when newlyweds come in and they're like, ah, we don't know what's going on here. We're arguing all the time. This is what happens to every couple at the beginning. They're learning how to fight Mm -hmm. or argue Mm -hmm. fairly. Um, They have to figure out how to deal with their frustrations, exacerbations, disappointments, sadness, but with a partner that they're now committed to in some Mm -hmm. way. Um, So... And then according to Dr. Um, John Gottman, they have a love lab. And so they're, they're saying that this building trust is phase two and those questions of trust are what cause a lot of the conflicts for newlyweds. Um, and typically you would see a lot of the major fighting happening, happening in the relationship within the first two years. Fun times. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, talking about uh, creating balance in the relationship, you know, uh, when it looks at like positivity versus conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're fighting, that's okay. Yeah. That's fine. But what's your ratio? And mm-hmm. and Dr. Gottman talks about, you know, a five to one uh, ratio of positivity to conflict mm-hmm. looks, looks about right. Because yeah. if you're avoiding conflict, if you have no conflict, that could also mean there's something there. Yeah. To me, whenever someone says, oh, we never fight, I'm like, someone's super passive or both of you guys are. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'll come up later. Yeah. I mean, you have two... I mean, assuming like you're in, in a two-person relationship, you have two people from very, you know, different upbringings and backgrounds, you know, like, um, and they're coming together and trying to make a relationship and a household and a family work. Stuff is going to come up. You're going to have disagreements and different expectations, and um, that's okay and expected. And it's just about learning how to build that trust. How do you show someone that you are there for them and that they can trust you and that you are reliable and have their back. So that's the phase two of, 
of being in love. Right mm -hmm. now, phase three is building commitment and loyalty. Now, um, this is the part where we want to make sure that everything is fair. Um, this third phase is about making a deeper love last a lifetime. Um, and it could also mean like, hey, we've had a lot of stuff go on in a relationship and we need to resolve some of this resentment from, you know, missed expectations or disappointments that may have come up during, you know, phase one and two. Right. Yeah. How do you see that play out in, in therapy, Alex? Uh, a lot of times it's uh, going backwards and looking at different choices they made at some point along the way mm -hmm. in which they're still holding a grudge or having resentment about these particular circumstances. Yeah. And then it's about kind of resolving those circumstances and building on what they do have currently and, and what they're looking forward to for a future. Yeah. So it's it's really kind of um, nurturing the couple and nurturing communication and and getting through resentment uh, and getting through any betrayals that happen early on. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, in those early stages, maybe somebody's not committing as early. Mm -hmm. And so there's what they consider as betrayal mm -hmm. or there's uh, not as much communication about, you know, um, exclusivity in a relationship mm -hmm. early on. And so you have some people feeling as if they were stepped out on very yeah. early or cheated on very early and there's betrayal there. Right. And so even with that, that has to be resolved. Or if there's betrayal somewhere through the relationship. Yeah. And as you're talking about betrayal, I'm also thinking it doesn't even have to necessarily be like like cheating or mm -hmm. adultery or something like that. It could just be like feeling neglected because the person's working a lot, you yeah. know, or the person's being avoided because they don't want to deal with these emotions. And so they had to work through that process. So yeah. um, all of that is part of phase three. And another big piece of this is that you can't have a healthy relationship if there's a... Um, uh, uh, dilemma of the power imbalance. Yeah, you power know? dynamics are important. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so in order to have that healthy, um, loving, committed, loyal relationship, you got to make sure that both people are feeling like they're being treated fair and that they have a fair amount of power within the relationship. Too. Yeah, and, and power doesn't mean that, you know, um, even if there's a single breadwinner in the, in the family, it doesn't mean that that power is more or less for that person. It's about what they bring to the table and mm -hmm. what do you consider power. So it's not about money. Mm -hmm. It's not about uh, resources in any way. It's more about who they are and what they're bringing as a partner. So it's, it's also important to kind of address that as far as power goes. Power does not just mean money or time or effort or anything. It's a combination of all these different things that contribute to a relationship, to a family, to a anything. Yeah. And just like feeling heard, you yeah. know, that your voice ha voice matters in the relationship. Which brings us to those red flags. Now, we mentioned it's really easy to overlook them, minimize them in phase one of the of the relationship um, because our brain is soaked with all these fun biochemicals. Um, but it whether you notice it from the first few day, dates to like decades later, if there is some kind of abuse going on in the relationship, that's that's going to be really either dangerous or at the very least problematic for, for the relationship. So let's talk about um, what are some um, common warning signs of dating or relationship abuse. All right. Um, and this comes from breakthecycle.org. They have great resources. Um, so some of the warning signs are checking cell phones, emails, or social networks without permission. That's an important one. Yeah. It's a really important one. People talk about coming into uh, therapy all the time and going, well, should I allow my partner to check my phone? Mm -hmm. Well, 
okay, but what what for? What in, you know? What, what's going on there? And what's where's the trust? Yeah. And is there honesty and trust going on there? And where is there not? Right. And then I mean, there's the next point is extreme jealousy or insecurity. Yep. That's gonna be really problematic for the relationship as well. Constant belittling or put downs. Um, if the person has an explosive temper. Um, Another big one is isolation from family and friends. This is huge. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you have to make sure that you are cre- keeping the same connections you had before, and if not, allowing them to grow um, in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. You do not lose all of your people in your life just because uh, you're with somebody. That's not a thing. So if your friend is disappearing whenever they're in, the rela- in a relationship, mm-hmm. Uh, know that that's that's a problem. That's an unhealthy boundary they're already setting. Right. Let's see. Making false accusations is another point. Constant mood swings towards you. Physically inflicting pain or hurt in any way. It's like not consensual. Um, possessiveness. Telling someone what they can and cannot do. And that could go from like where they could go, what they wear, what they say, how they act. I've heard this as much as even how many steps you're allowed to take in a day. Really? Yeah. I haven't heard that one. Dating abuse uh, cases. Yeah, I've heard of the what they're wearing. Like you can't wear that short skirt or that that's too revealing or, you know, very, very controlling behaviors, you notice, yeah. in, in a lot of this abusive stuff. And definitely, obviously, the power dynamic is super off on this. The, um, the abuser is a person who has all the power and is inflicting that control over the target of the relationship. Um, So some other signs are, let's see, repeatedly pressuring someone to have sex. Obviously, that's not going to feel good in the relationship, right? Um, And then that that hits all those other issues of trying to build trust and trying to have loyalty and commitment. Um, So the abuse resources, um, check out breakthecycle.org. And there's also thehotline.org, and both of those offer um, resources for chatting um, or just learning about it. If you notice that you are engaging in some of these abusive behaviors or um, you've experienced those inflicted on you um, or you just see it in your friends' relationships, they give you all that kinds of of, uh, resources and how to handle that. All right. So now that we are all on the same page as far as... What is love? What's healthy? What's unhealthy? Um, Where do we draw the line? Let's go ahead and go into some more specifics. We have some questions from um, some people to to answer. People got some love and dating questions out there. So let's go ahead and hear the first one. First question, how do you get your well-intentioned friends off your back about dating? Second question, (laughs) Uh, how do you invest in your other priorities but still create space and time for dating? All right. (laughs) It's it's a great question. That actually comes up frequently. Yeah. Um, How do you communicate those boundaries to your friends Mm -hmm. when they're pressuring or overly concerned in your dating life? Yeah. Um, Especially as you get older and people are coupling in mm-hmm. some way or they're in some type of committed relationships, it's interesting to see how then you become othered as this single person. Yeah. And drawing those lines, drawing those boundaries is so important early on because you're not their amusement. You're right. not their entertainment channel. You're not their MTV. It's, mm-hmm. it's, they need, 
if they want drama, they need to go somewhere else for it, and they can't pull you into that and ask you and and, and create that otherness, right? If you will, yeah. And I think like a lot of people think it's coming from a good place when they ask that question. Like, I care about you, and and I want to know that you are well and loved. But it's like, but then you're making the assumption that the single person is is not well and loved by because they don't have another, you know, because they don't have a partner, and that's unhealthy. Yeah. That's an unhealthy belief system to begin they're, with. They're good on their own. Yeah. You don't have to try and set them up with everybody else. Exactly. They're, they're totally fine. You don't have to try to, like, fix them because there's nothing to be fixed. You exactly. Know? So communicating that, you know, to your friends is really important. If you see them kind of engaging in some of that behavior, yeah. um, you know, it's important to draw that line. Uh-huh. Um, and then the, the second part of that question is, yeah. is wonderful because, you know, how do you create that balance between all the things you're trying to accomplish and do with your life. And then also then finding, investing in that relationship in a relationship. Yeah. So how do you do that? Um, Balance is always hard, but it's so important for our wellness. Um, So check in with yourself and see where you're at. I mean, if you're on all of uh, multiple online dating sites and apps and it's overwhelming and you're no longer having fun with it or enjoying the process, then cut some out or take a break from it from for a few months um, and just try being with yourself and focusing on what's important to you. And that's going to naturally have people with that um, have like minded values come into your life. Yeah, it's all about that gravity that you create. Yeah. Um, it really shouldn't you, be too pressured. You yeah. Know? Yeah. The more you do for yourself, the more you do for yourself, the more you're kind of investing in that, the, mm-hmm. the more likely they are to see those things. And, you know, you could work every day, all day long, I'm sure. I mean, most people can. They just get invested. They start doing these things. But when you realize that you're not creating any balance for fun or to be playful or to be happy or to yeah. smile, yeah. Uh, you're, you're missing out. Mm-hmm. And people then see that in you. Yeah. So I, I think like the dating process shouldn't have to be so crazy time consuming that you can't fit it into your calendar. Because if you're dating, you're just out there in the world having fun, doing things you enjoy anyway. Um, And that's already kind of part of your social time that you should have uh, built in. So if you find the online and dating apps too demanding, then cut them out because according to the research, it should be fun. (laughs) Doesn't even make a big uh, difference anyway. Okay, let's take a question from another person. So my question is, when it comes to online dating, how do you balance caring enough to put effort into the process and not caring too much to where your uh, expectations get too high or you're let down every time someone doesn't respond to a message? It's also a good question. I mean, there's so many expectations on when to respond, when not to respond, how to respond, Mm -hmm. and getting let down to these things. And, And... Again, I think it goes back to having fun. Yeah. If you're having fun and you're being playful and you see this as something in which you're generally meeting people, mm-hmm. um, when you meet somebody anywhere, when you meet people on your sports team or you meet somebody at a event, mm-hmm. you don't immediately go, are they going to respond to me right now or not? Yeah. And if you are, taking care of yourself is, is then the answer because mm-hmm. you need to make sure you're building up that personal armor, if you will. Yeah. And that, that personal self-worth too. Yeah. Um, especially now in this you know, social media age, it's, it's really easy for us to put our self-worth into likes or, um, or, or how our life looks in comparison to others. Um, and if, and always kind of going out there and trying to seek 
more um, approval from other people. Yeah, and, so and FOMO. Yeah, FOMO. I mean, too. the fact that FOMO is <laughs> even a thing. I mean, you you are not missing out on anything because people manufacture these realities. Right. And so to realize that number one, it's a manufactured reality. The online dating profiles are an avatar of a human being. Mm-hmm. It is not a reflection of you. It is a manufactured version of you. It's a disco ball. Right. Yeah. So. We do want to put some care into it to being as open and honest as you feel comfortable on your dating profiles. Um, again, you don't want it to absorb all of your free time because it's like no longer fun. Um, and if someone sees your profile or, you know, and, and doesn't, you know, respond or, or show interest, then that's not so much a reflection on your self-worth. You know, that's, if anything, a reflection on the profile that you've created or on them because they have just different interests um, or priorities. Um, and so just really taking a look in to yourself and questioning what, what is it about me that is valuable? Um, and I don't think the answer to that would ever be how many likes or followers you have or how many times you get swiped in the correct direction. You know. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and listen to another question. So basically, I'm wondering all the time about like where does the other, where do other people like me go to hang out um, to meet other single people? I'm a woman, single woman, um, older, like 40 plus, and you know, I'm wondering. I'm not from this area, so I'm from Philadelphia originally. So I don't know the city that well. Where do I go to meet people like me, other single men? So we actually got this question from uh, a gay male as well, who was like in his 60s, right? And so there's a population of people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s plus who are still dating and trying to figure out, like, how do I go meet other single people um, and how do I date, you know, in this age group? Um, and, and, you know, it does come back to focusing on what you truly do enjoy and going out there into the world and engaging in the things that you love to do because that's where there's going to be other people who value those same things as well. And and you have to you really have to challenge that discomfort of mm-hmm. uh, or challenge your comfort. So if you're doing the same thing over and over again and you're like I'm not meeting anybody interesting, yeah. well then do something that's a little more uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. do something that's a little bit out there, do something a little different, see about bringing those things in. Right. And being open to those people around you, asking questions, spending time with other people. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to meet the person you want to be with, but you could meet somebody who then introduces you to the person you end up wanting to be with. Yep. So it's not about a linear process. Yeah, and it's not just about trying to find a mate, right? It's really all about trying to connect with other awesome people, expanding your social networks. So um, you're going to do a little bit of both. You're going to do things that you truly enjoy um, that that make you happy in life. And then you're also going to challenge yourself a bit and go explore and try new things, too, um, to go meet new people and to expand those social circles. And again, if you meet a married couple, that's not the end of the road for that relationship. That married couple could have single friends, right? So just go out there into the world with an open mind of trying to meet new people. good and interesting people. Good and interesting people, yeah. And then you'll be able to find those people within your age group as well. I'll have more specifics um, toward the end as far as online resources for dating within specific groups as well. So let's go ahead and take one more question. 
why do public service uh, professions have the highest divorce rate or breakup rates? Any advice on how to prevent that? Okay, excellent question. So glad they asked this one. This is a great question. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, you know, part of being a uh, public servant, part of working for the government, whether you're a firefighter or a first responder or even somebody who works uh, in throughout the night, you know, doing something yeah. to create safety for our, our community. Uh, you have a lot of stress going on in your lives and there's lots of ways in which we kind of deal or do not deal with stressors. Mm-hmm. And so this question's extremely insightful because those divorce rates are real. Those breakup rates are real. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's because there's not a lot of communication or healthy communication going on, uh, in a lot of these relationships. Mm-hmm. A lot of times uh, it's hard to communicate as a first responder your day to your loved one when you come mm-hmm. home. And so you're not talking about all the different things that you've seen for the day or the different things that hurt you or scared you or made you upset yeah. because you try and compartmentalize those things and ignore them and you don't want to bring them back up because they're frightening. Right. Uh, and you also don't want to scar your 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 significant other in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, so you hold it in and that actually does neither of you a, uh, any benefit that nobody benefits from that. Yeah. That, so. that creates a disconnection between the couple. Yeah. And, and you know, when I say that it, what you do is you create distance, distance is not a thing. It, it's space and space is nothingness. It's, it's death to a relationship. Yeah, okay. Um, distance is death. You don't create distance. You want to hold people close in a way, mm-hmm. um, and, and care for, you know, care for each other in that way. Yeah. So. Some of the things that I've heard too from couples in these relationships is that if someone's a first responder and they're, their daily stressors are very much life and threat or life and death threatening situations. And then they're, they go home they talk to their partner and their daily stressors that they're, that they're, you know, complaining or venting about are, you know, the freaking copier at the office didn't work. And, you know, Susie from accounting is like really annoying. Um, and, and so it's tough for some people to try to be there in that space with their partner and empathize with them when they have such a different um, day-to-day life. You know, yeah, and career. so it's, it's important as the public servant to remember the context. Mm-hmm. Their life is in a certain context, so the, the, the most stressful thing for them may be that copier. Yeah. And it may seem little to someone who deals with saving someone's life, but at the same time, you have to remember that they don't have that circumstance as comparison. Right. And since they're not in... During that, mm-hmm. that's all they have for for them and their stress. So you have to keep that in mind and to be there, to be present, to be empathetic of that right. um, and not minimize what they're experiencing. Yeah. And it's this kind of stuff that that you as a couple can work through in therapy. People just freak out when they think about the concept of having to go to couples therapy. Um, there is still somewhat of a negative stigma to it. And and it doesn't have to be super intense. It could totally be preventable, you know? So if you're in this type of relationship, you could very much say like, hey, I want to figure out how to talk about these things. Let's go work with a, with a psychologist or therapist who ends up just kind of being the mediator of it and asking you guys all the right questions. And so giving you can resources. A lot of times it's about giving resources. Hey, read this book together, talk about it, learn how to communicate or fight fair. Yeah. Okay, so we actually have some more um, questions from people, but we'll have those posted posted on witandreason.com um, and our answers to those questions because we don't we definitely don't want anyone to be left out. Um, but for the sake of time, we're going to go ahead and talk about how do we put all of this into practice. Um, what exactly do we do? How do we date and love well? Um, 
One of my things is I think journaling and writing is very important. So take some time to do some self-exploration and private reflection on what's important to you, your values and your goals in life and what kind of lifestyle you want. Then after you do that for yourself, then you go out into the world and take a look at who's available out there and really see in reality, is this person and their values and goals in life, do they complement me and what I want? Do that early on and then continue to do that throughout your life and throughout your relationship because these things might shift and change and it's good to always just kind of check in with that with yourself and then with your relationship as well. And I think journaling, writing them down helps a lot. What yeah, do you got, Alex? I, I, part of it is, again, just living, going off and doing the things that you love to do and challenging uh, yourself to do things that you've always wanted to that you haven't. So do that. Be you. Be authentically you. And when you're authentically you, you're going to bring in better things. Yeah. So check out meetup.com. They're going to have a variety of categories for you to find new fun things with other people that are looking for fun things. There's also the dccenter.org. The DC LGBTQ um, educates, empowers, celebrates, and connects the lesbian, gay, uh, bisexual, and transgender communities and have awesome events. Um, and then also for those of you who are in your 20s and 30s, there is mealtribes.com. It's a potluck dinner community for, for people looking just to, again, socialize and connect. All right. So we want to thank you guys so much for joining us and asking the questions and, and listening in. And um, we want to say a special thank you to DC Radio. Of course, thank you to all of you for listening. Stay posted on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Wit and Reason. That's I-W-I-T-A-N-D-R-E-A-S-O-N. Um, and DC Radio for our next show. I'm Dr. Alexis Moreno. And I'm Alex Hodgman. Reminding you to keep engaging in things that boost your mental health. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.